Good morning, everyone. I see everyone's here. Everyone still has all their fingers and toes from all the fireworks. That was a joke. Just, uh, you'll have to bear with me. I'm going to warn you, my jokes today are not going to be very funny. I'm going to warn you that I'm, gonna, I'm a little uneasy this morning, uh, especially with this topic. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, my name's Thomas, and normally what we are, you're going to see up here is you're going to see that guy who is just singing and, and playing the guitar so ably will be up here preaching as well. He's a very multi-talented guy, really, really is a cool guy. And normally you're going to see him up here instead of me, but every once in a while we like to give him a break, and uh, we like to show you how good you have it by having Dave preach most of the time. So you, you get to hear guys like me come up here and preach. And so when we're divvying out the subject matter for the series in Proverbs, uh, Dave's, you know, kind of going around. He says, all right, and Thomas, you get the sluggard. But wait a minute, Dave. Are, are, are you calling me lazy? Are you saying that I'm a sluggard? So I'm a little, I don't know if I should be offended or, you know, I mean, he didn't ask me to preach on parenting or trust. No, you get the sluggard. You're, you're lazy, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I might be just a little bit lazy. All right. I mean, I think in a way we all are just a little bit lazy. I mean, I'm always thinking of lazy ways to get fit. I mean, we, we all want to do that, right? We all want to find that lazy way to, to lose weight and to look good. So we've, uh, we were always big fans of the big fad diet or whatever. I was doing some research on, on lazy ways to get fit, and I found this. Uh, Richard has a picture. It's the ab hanser. Um, I think you just strap it around your midsection, and you get six-pack abs. Um, you can watch TV while you do it. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great idea. Um, there's, there's lazy ways to keep up around the house. How many of you um, like mowing the lawn? I, I hate mowing the lawn. That's why I live in a condo, because I can pay someone to come mow my lawn. But if I ever have a house where I have to mow the lawn again, I'm getting one of these, this next picture. This is a solar-powered, so it's green, lawn-mowing robot. So you just put it out there and it mows the lawn for you. You don't have to do any working. So you see the people there, they're having a little picnic there in the back while the robots do it. It's kind of like the, the Roomba vacuum that runs around your house and terrorizes everything. And there's also, I mean, the, one of the best inventions for lazy guys like me is the remote control. I mean, how many of you think that, that you were the remote control? How many of you were the remote control when you were growing up? I know I was. You know, my dad said, hey, go change the channel. So dad stayed in the chair because he's lazy and I'm going and changing the channel, right? But now I have the remote control, and, and this picture shows this is how we are. We're too lazy to even grab the remote control, and we wish that we had the force to grab the remote control. You know, Scripture has a lot to say about being lazy. And just to let you know, none of it's good. <laughs> scripture talks a lot. In fact, in Proverbs today, as we take a look, Proverbs calls this idea being a sluggard. And I think it goes deeper than just merely being lazy. Because the theme in Proverbs is that it's a, it's a case of looking for wisdom and looking for, to the source of wisdom. So it's not just a case of being lazy, although there are very practical applications, and we're going to touch on some of those in a, as we go through this this morning. The sluggard is more than simply just lazy. He's stupid. He lacks wisdom. So I, the case I want to build for you today is that the answer to being lazy isn't to do more to work harder, because that's our temptation, right? You're going to hear me say today, you're lazy, you're sluggards, and you're, it's, all right, Thomas, I go out, I'm going to do whatever it is, I got to work harder tomorrow. And that lasts for like all of like two minutes um, when you get to work tomorrow or wherever you might be. So the answer to this isn't work harder, do more. The answer is 
wisdom. The cure for lazy isn't work harder. It's wisdom that's found in Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to paint us a picture. Um, On one hand, I want us to take a look at the sluggard. And on the other hand, I want us to take a look at wisdom, the wise person that, that follows after Christ. And in that, we'll kind of see a compare and contrast of how we're to live our lives in light of God's truth. And the first thing that we see here this morning, kind of in all of Proverbs, we saw it a little bit in the passage that Stetson read for us as well, is that the sluggard lacks perspective. The first thing we see is that the sluggard lacks perspective. You see, the sluggard doesn't understand that God ordained work. How many of you have heard it said that work is a result of the fall? That's a lie. Work was given by God to man before the fall. He created all the animals, created the heavens, the earth, the garden, and he put Adam in there to tend the garden. Work is a good thing. God worked when he created the heavens and the earth. And we see in Scripture this pattern of work and rest that were to follow. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. We see it in the book of Exodus, right? We see this idea that God uh, gave them, on the sixth day, gave them an extra portion of manna so that they would not have to go out and gather on the seventh day, so on the seventh day they could rest. So work is something that is given by God. It's not something that we should avoid. It is a good thing that we should have that, that work is there. The ant understands this. I think it's fascinating that God tells us to consider the ant. The last time I considered ants was when my house was invaded by them this past spring. Um, Literally, it was just ants everywhere. And so, you know, we had to go declare war on the ants that had invaded our house. Um, But consider the ants. No one tells the ant to go out and to gather food. They go out and gather food because they know that's the thing to do. And they know that there will come a day when they won't be able to gather food. The ant understands this idea. The idea of the sluggard, though, is just this idea that the sluggard has this warped view of work and rest. He views work as something to be avoided and rest something to be magnified. And so for him, it's rest, 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 rest. There's no cycle of work and rest. So the sluggard lacks perspective. He doesn't see the big picture that God ordained work. And he also then misses the consequences of what happens when you don't work. In the Cackler household, we talk a lot about consequences. Not everything that bad that happens in your life is a direct punishment. Sometimes there's just natural consequences to life. You know, you drop your iPhone in a tub of water. It's not being punished that it no longer works. That's just a natural consequence. Electronics don't work in water. So the idea is that we don't, not everything that happens to you is a result of a punishment. It's just a consequence. And we see that with the sluggard in Proverbs chapter 24. At the end of that passage, we see a guy who has a field and it gets overgrown because he always is taking naps. He refuses to go out into the field and to work and instead is always taking a nap. And so his field, he doesn't tend it. It becomes overgrown with weeds and thorns and thistles. And he no longer has a, a field that will produce fruit. So as, he, as he's lacking this perspective, he, he misses the natural consequences. And then he tries to justify his sinful laziness. Back in that same passage in Proverbs 24, he says, I'm just going to take just a little nap. How many of you have ever said that? 
I'm going to take just a little nap. And then three hours, four hours, five hours later, you wake up and went, oh, that wasn't such a, a little nap. Um, you know, just don't we, we all tend to do this, right? We tend to justify when we know what we're about to do is wrong, we tend to justify it, right? Well, everybody else is knocking off early today, so I'm going to knock off early too. Or nobody else today is working really hard, so I'm not going to work hard either. Or, well, everybody else looks at Facebook when they're supposed to be working, right? You know, everybody, I work hard. I deserve this break. We justify when we know what we're doing wrong to try to make ourselves feel better. But it even goes deeper than that. Not only does he try to justify his sinful laziness, he starts to make uh, excuses in his life. And we see that here in, in Proverbs 26, 13. Rather than owning the situation he's created, he continues to make excuses that further compound the problem. In Proverbs 26, 13, this passage where there's a lion in the road, that's an excuse. Basically, this would be, picture this. Now, you guys maybe have heard the news reports recently that like in northwest Iowa, I think there was a bear spotted. Um, I know there's been mountain lions spotted out in eastern Iowa. This would be paramount to me calling up my boss tomorrow and going, uh, hey, boss, I'm not going to be in today. Why? Um, there's a bear outside. All right, bye. It's that idea. I'm, I'm going to, I'm finding reasons not to go to work today. I am finding reasons not to do something. Do you guys know somebody like that? Who every time something comes up, they're always seeking reasons why they can't do something rather than trying to find reasons that they can do something? Practicality aside, in so many ways, this is how every one of us is with God. Don't we all tend to make excuses with God? How many, I mean, we've all heard that person who says, I'll get right with God Someday. Just not today. We're not promised another breath. We don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We can't make that. That's an excuse to continue to live in a sinful life. We try to justify again. We try to justify what we're doing. God's okay with what I'm doing. He's okay. I know you think what I'm doing is sin, but he's okay with what I'm doing. This is just how I am. God's okay with it. Really? We try to justify that or, or maybe you've said this, I can't share my faith. I don't know what to say or my neighbor might think I'm a Jesus freak. Or you might say, uh, you know, I can't go to another country. I can't go uh, across the street. Uh, you know, I, I can't go across the, to another country. I might die. Something bad might happen to me if I go to another country to share my faith. Or this is my all-time favorite. You know, I appreciate the fact that you want to tell people about Jesus, but my life tells people about Jesus. I don't need to use words. No, that's a lie. You need to use words. I don't know anybody who just, oh, wow, you live a great life. I'm going to repent. No, that's not how it works. I mean, you have to, the gospel has to be boldly proclaimed. Friends, yes, I'm there are valid reasons in many cases why we can't do something. But our predominant attitude, especially when it comes to things of God, should always be finding ways to do something, not reasons not to do something. And the reason that we should have that as our default is because while the sluggard lacks perspective, Jesus provides us a purpose. Jesus provides purpose. Did you know that God 
has a purpose in loving us? God's purpose in loving us, um, I love the way that David Platt explains this in the book Radical. Uh, he writes, God so loves, uh, so loves me so that I make him his ways, his salvation, his glory, and his greatness known among all the nations. So God loves me not because I'm a lovable guy. You could ask my wife. I'm not a lovable guy, all right? God loves me because he says, I love you, Thomas, because I want you to go tell other people about me. That's your purpose in life. The sluggard lacks the perspective to see that. He just sees what's going on all around him. He doesn't understand that God gives him a purpose for his life. Biblically, this idea lines up. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that we should do all things for the glory of God. Exodus 9.16 says that for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Our purpose in life is simple. It's to glorify God. That's what we were created to do, to sing praises to him, to tell other people about him. That's what we were created to do. So let me ask you, do you think you have no purpose in life? It's because you lack the perspective as a follower of Christ. The solution to your laziness, to your sluggardry, is not uh, to work harder. It's to gain the perspective of your purpose as a follower of Christ. The solution for laziness isn't to work harder, but to trust in the wisdom that's found in Christ. So the sluggard we see lacks perspective, and that lack of perspective causes him to lack motivation. And that's the second thing that we see here, is that he lacks motivation. In Proverbs 26, 14, that we read a moment ago, he, he sees no reason to get out of bed. I have a picture of a guy who's like this. That's a pillow. I think it's that, that he's laying on. It actually has little holes for the speaker of his phone. So he can still talk on the phone while he's doing that. It's called a pillow phone. Um, it's amazing what you can find on the internet. Um, and here's, I love this next verse. The picture is that he lacks motivation to even feed himself. His hunger doesn't even motivate him to eat. It's like he puts his hand in a dish, he grabs the piece of pizza, and he goes, oh, that looks good, but that's a lot of work to lift up that piece of pizza. Man, I don't, I just don't know if it's worth all that work. If he's at my house, he gets the piece of pizza yanked out of his hand, and I eat it because I love pizza, but... So what is the world's solution to a lack of motivation, right? You know, we, get, we go to motivational speakers. We got a motivational speaker here. You guys all know Matt Foley, motivational speaker. I live in a van down by the river, right? So we, we go to motivational speakers. We read motivational books or we provide carrots. That, isn't that the popular way in our culture today is we provide a carrot? Um, if I go more than two minutes, Julie, shut me up. I hate carrots. Not like carrots like you eat, but these carrots that we dangle in front of people because ultimately what ends up happening is you have to um, continually make the carrot bigger and bigger and bigger. So if everybody gets a ribbon in Little League, then all of a sudden everybody's got to get a trophy at the next level and then pretty soon everybody's got to get two trophies and then they got to get a car and by the time they get to high school, there's nothing left to give. 
Because all you're doing is rewarding them. You're just giving them a prize rather than teaching them why they should be doing something the way they should do it in the first place. Okay, now I didn't go two minutes. Aren't we this way though? Again, I want to ask you, aren't we this way with God? Don't we lack motivation to do the things that God's called us to do? And again, we make excuses. I know all, I don't want to study God's word because I know all I need to know to get to heaven. Or, you know, God, if we bargain with God, God, if you want me to do X, then you need to do Y for me. Or what am I, one of the stories that just makes me want to scream is the story of William Carey, the, the father of modern missions, when he was trying to raise support to go to India to take the gospel to the, to the Indians. He, somebody told him, he said, young man, sit down. If God so chooses to save the heathens, he will do it without you. Like, ah, we justify our disobedience. Or, or maybe we sit back and we say, I don't have the motivation to learn because there are just some things I don't, I'm not meant to understand. I was leading a study in Revelation one time and somebody looked at me and said, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't know why we have to learn it anyway. It's not important. Like, well, um, it's in his book. He wrote it down. I would think that it's important for us to know. If he took the time to write it down, maybe we should un- try to at least understand it. You see, the problem isn't that we lack motivation. It's that we don't understand our mission. You see, the sluggard lacks perspective, but Jesus gives purpose, and that purpose leads to mission. The answer isn't Matt Foley. The answer isn't motivation. The answer is for us to understand what our mission is. Yes, our mission is to go and make disciples, Matthew 28. I understand that's why WCC exists. I understand that our goal is to as Colossians 1.28 says, is to present everyone mature in Christ. But I want to challenge you with a different idea that I just, I've been reading about this past week. I want to challenge you with this idea. And the idea is found in 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9, it's up there on the, on the overhead. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you know that you're a priest? It says so, right up there. A royal priesthood. Now understand that when Peter wrote this, he had in mind the Old Testament priest. And so to really understand the implications of this passage, we have to understand what the role of the Old Testament priest was. One of the books I was reading for school um, is a book called Truth to Tell uh, by Leslie Newbigin, and he writes this, and I think it sums it up so well. He says, This priesthood is clearly something to be exercised in the midst of secular life of the world. Every Christian in the course of secular employment is to be present as a representative of the whole priesthood, thus bringing the secular world into its proper relation to God. Friends, Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. He's not just Lord over this church. He's not just Lord over all believers everywhere. Jesus Christ is Lord over all. 
as our job as ambassadors, as the way Paul writes it in 2 Corinthians 5.20, as ambassadors, as priests, we go and we take the gospel. We take the kingdom of God and we tell people and we help them to understand that Jesus is Lord even over their life. Jesus is Lord over all things. And so when we think about it in that context, we understand what the priest did. The priest in the Old Testament acted as an intermediary between God and man. The Old Testament priest offered, he was the one that offered the sacrifice. He was the one that prayed for the people. He, he helped explain what the things of God. Do you act that way at work, at your job? Do I act that way? at my job? Stetson, don't shout no, because I know that's what you're wanting to do right now. Because I don't. I don't. But this challenged me this past week. I'm like, man, I'm called to pray for, to share with, and to minister to those around me, especially those that I'm with eight hours, eight or nine hours a day. We don't go to work working for Wells Fargo or working for principal or working as doctors or working for Des Moines Christian schools or working in real estate or, or even working as a lawyer. We go as ambassadors, as priests, taking the gospel, acting as intermediaries. That is your mission to go and to take this to the people that you work with. It's hard to be a sluggard when you go to work tomorrow with that as your purpose. When you're looking for ways how you can minister to people, how you can share with people, how you can just love on people, pray for people, pour yourself out, give your life away to those around you. The answer to your lack of motivation is to view all of your life as mission. And that mission is to make the name of Jesus Christ known to all the nations. His mission has become our mission, and that is to seek and to save the lost. The answer to a lazy lack of motivation isn't Oprah, it isn't Dr. Phil, it isn't Matt Foley, it's Jesus and his mission to seek and to save the lost. So as an aside, I want to ask, what are you doing to prepare yourself for this mission? When I have to admit, there's a certain spiritual connotation to the, to the idea of the man who puts his hand in the food and won't bring it to his mouth. In Deuteronomy 8.3, uh, and Jesus quotes this uh, during his time on earth, it says, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what? There is no reason why, as, a, as this church, as the American church, we should be as spiritually ignorant as we are. I was shocked to learn this week, because I, I thought, well, I wonder just how many, you know, different English translations of the Bible there are. Did you know there's almost a thousand different translations and paraphrases of the in, in, to English for the Bible? There are people out there who don't even have one translation of the Bible in their own tongue. We have close to a thousand. And not only do we have it in so many different you know, flavors, if you will, we have it on our phones, we have it on our Kindles, we have it on our computers, on the internet, and this really cool new technology called print. We have the Bible everywhere. 
Moreover, we have world-class Bible teachers who give their stuff away on the internet. You can go to, you know, pick your favorite theologian. You can go. You can go read all of Spurgeon's sermons. They've got them posted online. You can go and download them and read them. You can hear guys preach God's word. You can go take seminary-level classes, not for credit, but you can take seminary-level classes, hear the lectures, get the, the book list, read the books, understand what the assignments are for free. It's all online. We have a veritable feast of God's word and teaching in front of us, and we can't be bothered to lift our hand back to our mouth. And I think there's a reason for that. And it's actually the third thing that we see in the sluggard. That because for everything that the sluggard lacks, there is one thing he does not lack. And that's pride. He's haughty. The sluggard is an arrogant, pompous know-it-all. In 26.12, he is wise in his own eyes. In 26.16, we read he is wiser than seven people. Now, understand when you read that in the Old Testament, seven is the mark of completion. It's everyone. So you would actually read that. He thinks he's smarter than everybody else. This is the person who never listens to anyone else. This is the person who thinks that they know everything else. Don't we all kind of know that person? You try to counsel them, like, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm not going to do it your way. Scripture calls this person a sluggard and a fool. I'm convinced that the reason why we can't be bothered to lift our hand back to our mouth with the feast of God's word is that we don't see the need or we're afraid of what he might ask from us or more than likely, we're just comfortable in what we know. We've got our own little life. We've got our own little comfort. We are wise in our own eyes. And we don't seek after God because, well, what does God know? I've got my degree. I've got my 2.5 kids. I've got my dog. I've got my SUV. I've got my nice house in the suburbs. God, don't ask anything from me because you're not going to get it because I've got my plan and my plan is to go and I'm going to work and I'm going to climb the corporate ladder and I'm going to put a sock a lot of money away into the 401k and into the college savings account and send my kids to college and then someday I'm going to retire and I'm going to sit on a beach. Friends, that is such an arrogant attitude. When you understand the mission that God has called you to, you have no choice but to be humble before him. The sluggard is haughty and thinks that he knows all the answers. The one who follows after Jesus is humble. Jesus provides humility. People have asked me, um, off and on as the past years I've been in seminary, they've asked me, what, have you, what are you learning? What's, what's God teaching you during this time? And usually I can answer, you know, one or two things from the class I'm in, but the big thing that God has taught me over this past year is that I don't know everything. I know that's shocking, especially if you're Julie, because I tell her all the time that I know everything. So, um, 
moreover, the more I learn, the more I realize I have more to learn. Every time I discover one new truth about God, he shows me on the horizon that there's 10 more truths that I need to, that I need to learn. The haughty person says, I've learned all I need to learn. The prideful person says, I don't need to follow after God. The humble person says, what else is there, God? Show me, teach me. You know, I believe that so often we are spiritual sluggards in our lives because we refuse to listen to God because we think we know better than him. We know better than God. Tim Keller shared this quote recently, and I just love it. He says, worry is not believing God will get it right, and bitterness is believing God got it wrong. I love that quote. So, friend, I'm going to ask you, in your prideful eyes, where do you think God is not going to come through for you? And let me challenge you to repent. Trust that God will get it right, that God is in control and that he is sovereign over whatever situation it is. Where are you bitter? Where do you think God messed up? Repent of that. God works all things together for good for those that are called according to his purpose, even when we can't see it. you're lacking humility in your life, you need to look to Jesus. In him we get our purpose, which is to make much of him to the nations and not to make much of ourselves. In him we understand that the purpose of life is his mission and not ours. In him we see that the answer to a prideful, haughty attitude isn't a false humility but it's humility found in Jesus. The answer for being a sluggard isn't to do more. It isn't to work harder. It's to fall on your knees and repent and to trust in Jesus Christ. We've talked a lot in this, in this series about what the purpose of Proverbs is, why, they're in, why it's in the Bible. One thing that's really came to me over this past week is that one of the ideas of is why Proverbs is in Scripture is that it is much like the law. If we understand that the, one of the main purposes of the law is to act as a mirror, to show us where we come up short to God, I think so too Proverbs is a mirror that we can hold up in our lives and we can look at ourselves as James says, And what we want to be is not the man who looks at himself in the mirror and goes, yeah, I see that big splotch of stuff on my face and turns and walks away and does nothing about it. We want to look at the mirror and say, yeah, I see that big splotch of stuff on my face and I want to do something about it. I want to get rid of that. God, help me get rid of this dirt on my face. So let me ask, do you see a little bit of yourself in this? Do you like to make excuses? Do you like to justify your sin? Do you like to uh, 
come up with reasons why you can't be obedient? Do you come up with reasons why you can't go to work? Do you come up with, um, do you lack the motivation to give everything, every moment of your life? Do you kind of think, I've got my plan, I've got my road, I've got my roadmap to retirement, and nothing is going to keep me from it? If you do, then you're a sluggard. And if we ended there, it'd be depressing. You guys would go home, you'd be sad, not even fireworks could cheer you up. But it doesn't end there. And that's the good news. Because whatever the sluggard lacks or whatever the sluggard has wrong, Jesus provides the alternative and provides it in abundance. If you see yourself in that mirror, let me challenge you this morning. You need to understand that your purpose is found in Christ. You need to understand that your purpose is to glorify God to the nations. When you leave here, if that's your purpose, there's no way you can be a sluggard. If you remember what God has done for you and you want to tell others about that, you can't help but to sing. You can't help but to tell. Secondly, we challenge you. Jesus gives mission. You need to understand your mission that is found in Christ. When you go to work tomorrow, when I go to work tomorrow, and I'm frustrated because I've had to reset somebody's password for the 20th time, I have to remember that I am an ambassador of Christ, that I need to minister to this person, that I need to try to find ways to encourage and to minister and to pour my life out to this person and give my life away. Just as Jesus came and poured out his life so that I might receive the gift of forgiveness and reconciliation back to the Father. Look for ways to engage your community, not just the people around, but your workplace. Find ways to engage your neighbors, your workplace, your friends, your family, Engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, you need to understand the humility that comes from being a follower of Jesus Christ. Scripture says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You need to involve yourself in community that will pour out their lives into you, that will speak into your life, that will encourage you, and will help hold you accountable because friends... I will guarantee you that by, I think I, think I start work tomorrow at 8 o'clock, um, by 8.05, I will have already blown points one and two. <laughs> and that's where humility comes in for me to say, God, I've blown it. Forgive me. Get me back on track. Help me out. I need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. Father God, I need you. That's humility. That says, I, don't, I can't do it my way. I have to do it God's way. When you leave here this morning, remember that you don't have necessarily have all the answers, but God does. We need to listen to him, be obedient to what he calls us to do. And in doing so, we understand that the answer to being a sluggard isn't in doing more and being, trying to achieve more. The answer to being a sluggard is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. We love you. 
Father, I ask you that you would help us to live this out, that you would help us to make your name great among the nations, that we would understand that our mission is to be ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And above all, Father, I pray that when we do blow it, that we would act with humility and that we would trust you and that we would know that your plan is better than our plan and that your ways are better than our ways. Help us to seek your ways this week. We thank you and we love you. In Christ's name, amen.